The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. That's right. It's finally Friday. It's August 4th. And today is International Beer Day. So we know what y'all are going to be sipping on at some point today. It's also National Water Balloon Day, which always sounds like a good time, as well as International Clouded Leopard Day, National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. And of course, you guys are going to love this. It is National Coast Guard Day. Oh, yeah. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top hand corner near your screen to see where we live on the internet. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Twitter spaces, but we're having some technical difficulties with Twitter spaces. So you're just going to find us here on YouTube for right now. But nonetheless, we are going to kick it off with the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite, the professional flip flopper, the professional back stroke peddler and of course little baby zozo's dad that's right it is the dope dad himself rico Lemeet. oh yeah jason you know what i got some good news coming out of new jersey today for the legendary wu-tang clan rapper raekwon and his team newark's Central Planning Board officially reversed its previous decision not to endorse the chef's application to open a dispensary and on-site consumption lounge in the city's Four Corners Historic District. Now the rapper's uh, plans to open Hashtoria are back on track as a result of the board's latest meeting on July 24th. Raekwon could not believe it was all so simple. When he was granted conditional use approval for Hashtoria to operate a class five cannabis re, uh, retail facility, the endeavor initially faced rejection back in March due to community members pushing back on the project, most notably from nearby old First Presbyterian Church. Clergy members at the at the time said that, that while they support bringing business to the city, they did not think that Hashtoria picked an appropriate location. Hashtoria campaign to reassure uh, the board members and the public that it would in fact be not a disturbance to the neighborhood and vowed to comply with CRC regulations. And after the ventures proposed architectural design for the circa 1900s building was re, uh, revealed to the city's landmark and historic preservation commission with a fresh brick face and new windows to display community artwork, 
they got the thumbs up. Rachel Grakowski, uh, principal at Montclair-based RHG Architecture and Design, was on point for Hashtoria. Following the vote, she released a statement. Our team's thrilled about this project, and it represents an exciting opportunity to merge history, community, and innovation. And that Hashtoria has, uh, was founded by a collaboration of iconic rapper Raekwon of Wu-Tang Clan, the passionate civil rights attorney Bakari Sellers, and radio TV personality and mental health advocate Charlemagne the God, and others as an intentional effort to bring forth a cannabis retail dispensary and a consumption lounge that not only respects Newark's heritage, but also reflects a commitment to social justice, expungement, mental health, and creativity. Uh, design plays a crucial role in elevating the overall cannabis experience, and we are committed to creating an environment that uh, offers a sophisticated, inclusive, and enjoyable experience. The cannabis industry is undergoing a remarkable transformation driven by the vision and creativity of innovative designers and creatives, leaders from across the country who are re revolutionizing cannabis consumption. We're so excited to craft a space that harmonizes aesthetics, functionality, sensory engagement, ultimately enhancing the journey of both seasoned cannabis enthusiasts and the canna-curious alike. The final step before Hashtoria's uh, dispensary doors will be getting the final okay from uh, New Jersey Cannabis Regulatory Commission, the CRC. Um, but even if, uh, uh, the, excuse me, the final step before uh, they can open their doors is getting the final okay from the, the CRC. But even if they are approved, plans for the consumption lounge may have to wait. The CRC approved a proposed framework for lounges back in December 2022 to allow medical and recreational retailers to operate consumption lounges, but regulations still have not been finalized and the state must issue licenses before the, uh, the spaces become operational. So like I said yesterday, when we covered the Diddy piece, you don't have to be a fan of the man. You don't have to be a fan of their music or the methods used to get in the position that they are. Having prominent black and brown figures visibly involved in the business side of the industry is a win for others looking for inspiration and motivation to do the same. For all our communities have been through dealing with the generational blowback from the illegal and racist war on drugs, only to be priced and pushed out of opportunities nationwide to operate in the same lane, representation is good, period. Big love and congrats to Raekwon, the chef, and the whole Hashtoria team for putting in the work over the last few months to get the deal done. Hopefully the shop's up and running by the time I take my next trip out to Jersey in a couple of months uh, so I can check it out in person. I'm Rico Lamy, the dopest dad on the street. Love to hear from y'all. Man, they got through the New Jersey application process, which is a total set of hurdles and obstacles. Congratulations to them on this victory. Well, I hate to say it, but I told y'all so. <laughs> All they had to do was comply with the standards that the neighborhood wanted. Their original objection was to a big piece of artwork of sexualized women out front. They take that down. They go by the historic uh, code that they want. And look what happens. You get you get your place approved. That's all they had to do. I mean, what's up with this, good this name? Hashtoria, I think, is a great place to have a weed store. Yeah, they're like, they're like uh, State Farm. Like State Farm. What do you mean? Oh, God, good neighbors. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you got to be a good neighbor, man. That's we've been teaching this at Amsterdam for 15 years because it's your neighbor who calls the cops or the feds to shut you down because you're pissing them off parking on their spot or whatever. It's just like simple good neighbor policies. Your neighbors also come out for you, you it, know, when you get you a federal raid or something. It, you're you're, you're a, you're, you're definitely right about that, Dale, but there is also sometimes when you have just a problem neighbor and there is no quailing their concerns or anything, and they just become a thorn in your side for your inevitable existence. That's and not who we're talking about in this story, though, right now. We're just talking about, hey, just do what other normal businesses do in that locality. All localities have control over what kind of businesses and what they look like. That's why you can go into some small towns and it looks like you're entering the 1880s or you're going to like another country is because they can say, hey, no neon. Uh, that's their right if they say no giant pictures of sexualized women. Yeah. Leave it to the locals. And is it is it is always good to get in uh, uh, get in good with the uh, the church community because they'll they'll be down with the politicians that shut you down real quick. <laughs> do we do we know what the legal definition is for sexualized women? I'm sure you wish you knew. Next. I'm just I'm just asking. I'm hey! just asking. No, just everybody's wondering. googling it right now. Don't click on images. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are funny. moving right along, Jason. Huh? <laughs> What's that? moving right along. oh moving right along you guys want to keep it moving yeah. on this one all right all right we'll keep it moving fair, fair enough fair enough we'll keep it moving at least past sexualized women i'm just saying i'm just i'm surprised i'm surprised no awkward one, silence i'm surprised no one wanted to google that just just surprised all right no that's why it got quiet everyone went and googled that mm -hmm. and so, and what does the definition say there is no legal definition okay just wanted to make sure omar thank you i appreciate that from the lawyer in the room very much mm -hmm. so. There is no legal definition. It's all based off personal uh, uh, perception. It's in the eye of the yeah. beholder beauty, or the control so board. Then, so, so then it would be, it would be, could be still just classified as art then, since beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Just saying. Well, it's all it, art. Yeah, it's but just not whether or not you're boobs, right? Okay. All right. Just, just, I'm just wondering, you guys. I'm just asking. Just we asking. Just move along, inquiring minds want to know. Yes. We're gonna, other you have a commercial? Yeah, we got a commercial. We're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Yeah. Uh-huh. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. Up next is the cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer known for smoking the best weed in the world and his undying support of formerly former presidents with multiple indictments. Y'all know who it is. Jason I mean, Beck. you got this. I mean, come on, bro. You can you can indict a ham sandwich, Rico. You know what it is. And that's basically grand jury. Ain't no one worried about none of that. If if any of this stuff was real, they would have took his passport and and arrested him on the spot. This is all just propaganda. Shit, but nonetheless, nonetheless, we're not here to talk about that today. We're here. We're going to talk about something else. I got a new new something something for you today. Are you ready, Rico? Because the Florida Marijuana Initiative is in jeopardy despite having one million signatures. That's right. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody doubled down on her claims that proposed amendment 
to the state constitution is too misleading to appear on the 2024 ballot. In a brief filed with the Florida Supreme Court on Wednesday, Moody maintained that the adult proposal use of marijuana initiative, which has collected over one million valid signatures, is invalid because it contradicts federal law. According to the brief, Moody's office argued that the ballot summary is misleading. The summary begins with the statement allows adults 21 years or older to possess, purchase, or use marijuana products and marijuana accessories for non-medical personal consumption. But the attorney general claims the amendment would not allow, actually allow anything because possession of marijuana is still illegal under federal law. The bill sponsor, Smart and Safe Florida, uh, reiterated it in an earlier brief that the ballot summary is not misleading because it reads in part and quotes applies to Florida law does not change or immunize violations of federal law when considering whether the sentence eliminates the confusion caused by allows as it appears at the beginning of the summary Moody simply stated it does not. The brief claims that because most Americans cannot name a single Supreme Court justice, according to a 2018 Newsweek poll, it is not reasonable to assume that the average voter understands marijuana is illegal on the federal level. It is also worth noting that DeSantis administration has not held back from pushing back against federal law. Monday's office or excuse me, Moody's office sought legal action against the Biden administration multiple times in recent months. And Smart and Safe Florida has claimed that Moody's arguments in the adult use marijuana case reveal a thinly veiled policy agenda. In the brief, Moody took took aim at the company bankrolling the ballot measure, the state's biggest medical marijuana treatment center, MMTC TrueLeave. Uh, Moody argued that the ballot initiative entrenches the sponsor's monopolistic stranglehold on the marijuana market to the detriment of Floridians. I would probably believe that one. I could buy that argument. Uh, TrueLeave accounts for nearly half of the state's marijuana sales, according to the latest weekly report from the Office of Medical Marijuana and Use. And Moody claims the ballot summary is a bait and switch that alludes to expanding state licenses beyond the current MMTCs. And this misdirection was no doubt in, engineered by the sponsor to appeal to voters who wish to end the MMTC's uh, stranglehold on the state's marijuana market. Moody's, uh, Moody, Moody started, she, she also argued me, the measure would free MMTCs from the current regulations imposed by the Florida Department of Health, and some Florida medical patients have expressed similar concerns with the proposed ballot measure. Those patients say they would rather have the ability to legally grow their own marijuana for personal use, often referred to as home grow, or are weary of how the MMTCs opening up to adult use customers would affect current patients. The, in quotes, home grow proponents are considered to be a minority amongst the state's nearly 836,000 medical marijuana patients and a separate ballot initiative seeking to allow patients to grow their own marijuana has zero valid signatures. An opponent for the adult personal use marijuana measure, the Florida Chamber of Commerce filed its own brief supporting Moody's arguments and requested oral arguments in the case. Adult use marijuana measures made it onto the ballot in 2014 and 2016, but neither met the 60% threshold required to pass. The court rejected a adult use marijuana initiative back in 2021 on the basis that the ballot summary did not address 
its contradiction with federal law. And five of the seven current Florida Supreme Court justices were appointed by Governor Ron DeSantis, who has indicated that he does not support legalizing marijuana federally or in the state of Florida. Well, 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 I'll tell you what, I think this uh, attorney general's uh, arguments, some of them are valid, but the main argument in regards to saying that the federal law yada 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 um is 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 a reason to, to why it should not be on the ballot doesn't make any sense and i don't think any other states that have passed adult use laws would agree with that either but nonetheless i'm going to digress and see what y'all have to say about this this is jason beck for the high at nine news hour what do y'all think i think this is about voter turnout and they're trying to depress the voters from turning out um if there's a cannabis initiative on the ballot the youth vote will uh, increase significantly, and the Republican Party does not want the youth to vote. They want the oldens to make all the decisions in Florida. So I think this is ultimately about voter suppression, about disengaging people from the democratic process, and it's outrageous. Interesting. Um, but I'm what about the arguments, further. Omar? I'm gonna go, go down the rabbit hole. I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole a little bit on this one. Ron DeSantis, Meatball Ron. Ron DeSantis, he is losing all kinds of money. His campaign is broke as hell. And it sounds like Truly needs to pony up a little bit more money <laughs> to get this thing going. <laughs> in I, I mean, Omar, but in regards with, with with the arguments, what, what what do you think in regards to, to to Moody's arguments? I think I think the Constitution one is is total total BS in regards with federal law. But I do think that uh, the the argument that she states that this is created by True Leaf so they could have a greater stranger hold on the adult use market is is a valid argument. I think the second argument, you know, makes sense, but that's not a reason to throw out uh, legalization, even incremental legalization with the bathwater. Um, I do think that there is no positive conflict between federal law and state law because we have a federalist system, which means that the states are laboratories of democracy. And so therefore, states should be allowed to experiment with uh, re-legalization. Let's remember that the default for human history was that cannabis was always legal for millennia until relatively recently. So it's time to re-legalize cannabis. And overgrow the government. Yeah. We're here. I think two things can be true at once also. It's not that cannabis was and marijuana federally became illegal because of some big giant conspiracy. It was several conspiracies that all just seem to align in the same direction. Um, so, you know, it's follow the money. Follow the money. Follow. Mm -hmm. Follow that money, girl. Secure the bag. I mean, the emperor wears no clothes. Because the emperor is naked. Oh, I thought that was justice, Omar. The emperor is being sexualized. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what do you got to say about that, Gretchen? You're on Quality. mute. You're on mute, Gretchen. You're on mute. Uh, but I don't care. I think I think Florida is going to get to vote on this. I don't think it's going to be an issue. Um, I don't see. Uh, the state's attorney general getting in the way of a million votes uh, or at least a million signatures here. That's a lot of voters will to overturn. Uh, they, 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 they did. Wrong. I, don't, I don't. I'm just saying, I don't see it. We're talking about, we're talking about Florida where they did take away the right, all the, all the three, 
Oh. All those all those ex felons, they took all of their voting rights right back. Gretchen Gretchen uh, wants to put a vote on this, wants to put a bet on this. Did Mississippi just throw out an already passed voter initiative? Fit, yes, just Mississippi like, did. Yes, after it passed. No, yes, I, I, yes. I, I appreciate. I, I like. I love your hit of hope, but I don't. I don't hold that same. Yeah, I yeah, think never, never underestimate Republicans in office from taking the power other. away from the people. What happened to keep hope going alive? after Disney for fuck's sake? I mean, oh my. I mean, they should be that? going. They should be going after Disney. One hundred percent. They should be going after Disney. One hundred percent. I support that. Of course you do. I do, hundred percent. Little indoctrinators. What happened to little government? I, I thought that was like a tenant of your. I just now <laughs> go after private business and our doctors' visits. Well, I'm just, uh, well, well, well I'm here, here, here's, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing with Disney, and, and here, here's where I, I really support it. it: is is the fact that Disney receives all type of different federal subsidies and different types of tax breaks in regards to how they operate. And so, I am not in support of any of that for Disney. Disney like has plenty of money and doesn't need none of that. And baseball and teams, and I mean, I just like, yeah, it's it's incongruous, my brother. That's all good. It's all right. It's going to be all right. We all love you. Jason hates the happy endings. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. T, you got any thoughts on this Florida Florida debacle? No. Move along. <laughs> Move along. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like that people are playing games <laughs> just up, myself. Up there in, out there in Florida. Oh, there are definitely playing games in Florida. There's lots of games going on in Florida all day long. That's for sure. But they have great weather for games out there. So, you know what I mean? I mean, Gresham's not too far from Florida right now. You can tell by her hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Anytime. Back. Anytime. Back. <laughs> what, what does that even mean? What does that mean, Jason? You can, you, can tell, you can tell she's in a very, very humid region right now. Very humid. Oh, okay. I, can, I can see the uh, moisture. I think, you look great. I, I think you look great today, uh, Gretchen. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Can we- yeah, let's, let's, let's roll right into our feisty redheaded conservative. That's right, Gretchen Gailey, who loves to put her hair up in a bun today when she's out in the sweltering heat of South Carolina. That's right. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider. Here it is. It is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. From, You're on uh, mute. Can you hear me? Is it working? Yep. Now we you hear know. you. You're good. Whatever, we'll fake it. I think your messy um, bun is working. It looks great. Thank you. I'm trying. Um, God damn it. There goes. All right. This piece of shit's not working. Anyway, uh, Ohio activists basically got, uh, they were down 679 votes. They're submitting now an additional 6,000. They're going to get this initiative through. Talk amongst yourselves. How do you feel? That's my story. This, hold on. This is Ohio we're talking about, right? Yes. They, remember a week or so ago, ten days ago, they were short seven hundred votes. Yep, yep. So, so they, so they got, so they got the signatures. They, they, they submitted them, and they're valid now. Well, no, 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 no. They submitted six thousand in hopes that they can pull out the six seventy nine that they need from that six thousand, which they should have no issue with. Were they using Dominion voting systems? Oh God, I hope not. That's not how signature uh, drives work. Were, were they hanging chads? Were they were they just filling out names, or were they actually like going to like nursing homes and actually filling out filling no out idea. the names for them? You don't know. I have no idea. 
nominated this. Okay. I don't live in Ohio. I wasn't out there working the working the polls. You weren't working the polls. Oh, huh? damn. I know you love to work the polls. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, that you go when you love the low hanging fruit, Jason. Mm-hmm. I do. I do. That's easier to reach. I don't have to jump. You know, I can't jump. I'm disabled. I know you're short. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> does anyone want to go to Ohio? You know. Do you know, is it, were they paid signature gatherers or volunteer signature gatherers? Because you're looking at like a 90% uh, signature rate versus a 10% signature rate. It's like, well, I'm, and I'm slightly making those numbers up, but it's, it's a pretty difference between professional signature gatherers and volunteers. I have no idea. Uh, the group well, that tell you if are the coalition to regulate marijuana like alcohol is the group. Coalition to regulate marijuana like alcohol. Sounds like Nick Lachey is behind this. What do you think, Rico? Um, it's either Nick Lachey, John Boehner, or any of those other dudes swagging in Ohio. Down in Ohio, swag like Ohio. Down in Ohio, swag. I don't know. Has anyone read this initiative? Is this anything like Prop 64 in California? Do you, would you like to know what this initiative entails, Dr. Talleran? Yeah. Yep. Yes, you please. Can, you can possess up to two and a half ounces. You can grow up to six plants for personal use with a maximum of 12 plants per household. A 10% sales tax. Uh, the money from it is going to go to support social equity and jobs programs. Uh education and substance misuse programs and administrative costs of implementing the system. Uh, cannabis is going to be controlled by the Department of Commerce. What else? Does it does it mention in there anywhere that they're actually going to allow people to sell eighths instead of tenths? It doesn't get into all that. It should. Dude, so you're in like, so it sounds... Marijuana like Ohio, I don't think Ohio taxes alcohol at 10%. It overregulates marijuana like plutonium. It does. That's for sure, Omar. It would be issuing but it's, recreational cultivator licenses. I don't know what the hell they mean by this. And 50 adult use retailer license. Okay, so 40 cultivators, 50 adult use licenses. That's how many licenses they're going to be given out should this initiative pass. Yeah, that's the initial tranche. Who knows if they'll do more? I mean, 50 retails. Are they going to allow the medical stores that are currently in operation to become adult use stores as well? Yes. There will be a grandfathering process. Got it. Got it. Okay. Dr. T, you had another question? Here. Uh, so this doesn't sound like it's going to hurt the medical patients. No. It's a, it does say individual municipalities can opt out of newly recreational. Um, regulators would be required to enter into an agreement with the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services to provide cannabis addiction services, which would involve education and treatment for individuals with addiction issues related to cannabis or other controlled substances. Oh, here's when it comes to social equity, advocates are concerned about the lack of specific language. Shocker. Um, on automatic expungements, they said the measure doesn't include... It says that it, they're going to study and fund a 
looking into expungement. So they ain't going to do Jack. Um, That's their social media provision. One kind of interesting, interesting note. Um, Alex, Alex, who happens to be from Ohio, uh, sa- mm-hmm. says they added nine more cultivators because there was thirty-one right now, but only twenty-six of those licenses are actually operational of the cultivation licenses. Okay. Mm. Which so there, so they only added nine cultivation licenses under the adult use measure. Is Alex sure that these are not additional to the current medical? He sounds pretty confident in the chat, but we'll see what he says and what he what he continues to say going forward. Okay. But that's what that that's what he's throwing out there. And it, and and it would make sense if they're just are going to homogenize the systems and allow for the uh, for the medical stores to also become adult sto- adult use stores. Also, yeah, that would but just that make sense. Doesn't create much of a market for adult use. But by by what definition? What do you mean? Well, I just mean that new operators can't really apply. If they already got 26 or 31, whatever number you're saying, and they're only going up to 40, they're only giving out nine new licenses to people. Yep. That's kind of bullshit. Yeah, that's that. That's exactly what they're saying. But at the same time, only 26 of the 31 are actually operational. And so maybe they feel as though that that is enough to supply the adult use market and the medical market um, based off of uh, some data or whatever someone gave them that probably doesn't make any sense. Well, I would hope whoever's not <laughs> operational that they take back those licenses and give them to somebody who will be operational. And Alex did say, he says, I'm not sure that they are in addition to the original allotted cultivators, not to mention not letting the licenses operate because he says that there are some licensees that, that have waited have, to, have had to wait up to five years for planning approval processes. Ask, at, oh, well, I guess you can hear me. Alex, what part of Ohio are you in? Oh, H. Well, I got that part. I meant. <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't isn't Ohio just one big thing? It's just one big little round little much thing. One big, one big field, yeah. and then they get. It, it's two fields actually. They got one big field, and they got they got the shoe. Oh, hold on. So, so Philip Zimmerman is also in Ohio. He's from Cleveland. He also Mm -hmm. says, plus Ohio gets home grow. So licenses probably aren't as important to the people um, as them expanding the cultivation since they are allowing for home grow. That is an interesting, interesting component to it. I'm not opposed to home grow, but I think it's a silly argument to suggest that home grow competes with retail i totally agree with you with that and at the same time it's totally ridiculous that any because i can grow a plant doesn't mean i actually can most likely gonna kill it well so i don't want to uh, well not just that it's 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 equally as ridiculous gretchen when any any type of uh cannabis business lobbies against home grow because the reality of it is that people growing tomatoes on their front porch don't really impact the tomato industry overall as far as sales are dictated so that's just a well, right, falsified sure. narrative I, I, I grow some tomatoes and that is not the only tomato i buy all summer trust me my see. sad little tomato crop does not keep up with my needs does anybody actually say tomato i don't know it's to you rico Yo, it's um, also important it, to note, like a lot of the a lot of these laws that are coming up trying to ban home grow seems to be this misunderstanding by often MSOs, I will call out, uh, thinking that they're going to get better sales if they don't allow home grow. And the reality yep. is, is home growers are their best customers. And I believe home growers increase your market 
overall, not just your market share of, of that larger market that's going to affect your bottom line. Because if like Betty comes over and she's like, oh, it's growing in your garden, Margaret. Oh, next to your tomato plants, suddenly it's okay. And they're more likely to visit your dispensary. Um, th th there's direct consumer research now that was done by New Frontier Data that shows that home growers appreciate it because they know how hard it is. They spend more dollars per transaction, buy more items per transaction, and more likely to buy the expensive cannabis as well. They're more likely to explore. So MSOs, you're blowing it by making home grow illegal. And also, do we really need another reason to have the cops visit the house when they should be out? be going after crimes against others you know crimes. well you know why you know why they have that carjackings oakland carjackings <laughs> you know why they have that extra money dale they have they have that extra money those home growers have that extra money because they are able to sell their crops and be able to go and use it and buy better weed <laughs> that's actually going to play into my story somehow oh i yes. love it i love it and, and, and yes all right well i think we should yeah yeah, yeah we're gonna move Sorry, along we're gonna yeah, go to a commercial we're gonna be right back but, 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 but i'm talking here jason oh back. go ahead gretchen go ahead i'm sorry please keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state local we gotta have we gotta, we gotta have here's like, my tidbit one little tidbit not that i don't want to see the omar figaro commercial go ahead gretchen uh if Ohio passes, we will be at 24 adult use states. 24. There's a woohoo. No, not still not Almost 25. 50%. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. You're doing right now make sure you hit that like button because it helps with our algorithm over there at youtube on top of it make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't already check out our website www.hyatt9news.com you can read all the articles that we cover there today on top of you can check out our amazing merch and make sure you sign up for our newsletter because that's going to go out tomorrow and of course make sure you tell your friends about us and share this show with them because we believe that organic growth is the best growth The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. He is the legendary cannabis doctor who probably wrote your mama, mama, your mama's mama's wreck and the founder of Medican, co-founder of CESC and looking about 10 years younger today, Leo. Happy belated birthday wishes going out to Dr. Jean Talleyrand. Thank you, Rico. Happy Friday, everyone. So my story today comes from Cal Matters, uh, medical cannabis paved the way for legalization in California, now patients left behind. 
by Alexei Kossov. Turn off Highway 99 in rural Alberta, drive five miles down the road, and you'll find a dusty lot crammed with cars on this scorching Friday evening. Behind a wooden fence for a $10 entry fee awaits a block party. One table gives out free cannabis for veterans who don't have to pay into the event. Neither do patients with a doctor's recommendation, like Danny, a barber who was shot three times in the left arm and smokes cannabis to manage pain, often inflamed by cutting hair. Danny prefers buying cannabis at these clandestine pop-ups where the products are more potent than at the dispensary. I'd rather spend my $30 on something that lasts, he said. This is one of four unlicensed cannabis sessions in Sacramento area that Betty Braden will host this week, as she does every week. The event started eight years ago, before voters approved Prop 64. Since the initiative, Braden has come to see her sessions as both a business opportunity and an act of protest. Like many longtime advocates, she believes all cannabis use has a medical purpose and considers it immoral that high taxes and a lack of dispensaries have made it inaccessible to many patients. The laws are so hideous, Braden said, as she supervised from a camp chair near their entrance. I used to be an activist. Now I've gone over to the underground. No one really cares about the medical side, and that's a mistake because that's where the value is, said Richard Miller, who has promoted patients' rights at the state capitol for nearly two decades as a member of the American Alliance for Medical Cannabis and Americans for Safe Access. I've been feeling over the past year like my work is a failure. Overnight, our whole system fell apart, said Valerie Corral, founder of the groundbreaking cooperative Women's Alliance for Medical Marijuana, or RAM, in Santa Cruz. They were so busy counting tax dollars that they put us all out of business. Corral received the license, but she sold it after it became clear opening and operating a dispensary would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars that her donation-based organization did not have. Now she grows cannabis and works for local dispensaries to donate it for free to patients. Kimberly Cargyle owns a therapeutic, a therapeutic alternatives dispensary in Sacramento and one of the only compassion programs in town. Cargyle and many dispensaries are reluctant to establish compassion programs because of the expense. Uh, an estimated 200 people cost a thousand to two thousand per month for staff time to manage applications, intake stock, and consult with patients. That's a big sacrifice than it used to be. Also, sales have dropped by twenty percent over the past two years. She looks for savings everywhere. We're doing everything we can to tr to stay true to our mission. She said she doesn't want a cancer patient to feel forced to turn to dirty products on the illicit market. This article recounts many more stories of patients left behind by regulators and the turn to adult use recreational cannabis. Additionally, there's a noted tendency to be dismissive of cannabis users among the medical establishment, which, according to researcher William Dolphin, is then reflected in policy. Meanwhile, a medical cannabis patient pulls $20 bills, two $20 bills out of her pocket, $10 short of the price for half an ounce. The vendor, who asks to withhold his name, makes the sale. Touched by his generosity, she asked for his number. 
She knows a lot of people who might want to order from him. This story touches on the spirit of compassion. Although regulators and the industry have dismissed medical cannabis, it persists. So what do you think? Have we come full circle and are we back to where we started? And is this how all states that over-regulate and overtax will end up? This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand for High Times Crickets. Oh, man. Dr. T, patients definitely have been left out in the dust here in California, especially due to the tax because of the high amount of taxes that they have to pay. And you have to pay to go and get a state card just to be tax exempt. But that only affects the sales tax and not the excise tax. It's just totally, totally ridiculous. Well, apparently you just have to go to uh, one of the four sessions a a week in uh, Sacramento and uh, just pay 50 bucks for half an ounce. I mean, they have those kind of sessions here in L.A. almost every day. With a, nice. Um, and, that, and, and that's why Rico a, always says, let the tra- let, let long live the trap. The, the trap will always win. <laughs> oh, this is America. So, <laughs> um, but um, uh, I don't know if we're covering this story. Are we covering the story uh, with the Columbia Care guy today? I'll, I'll have that one at the top of Monday. But um, uh, he, he came out uh, yesterday saying that he strongly believes that the Biden administration is going to deschedule, bringing us back to schedule three uh, um, before the end of the calendar year. And if that happens, I mean, technically, will it? Uh, what do you think about that, Dr. T? Uh, technically, will that be bringing it back to the patients? You have to get a prescription for it. Uh, well, did they ever have to get a prescription? I mean, they had a recommendation, uh, but I don't, you know, descheduling is different. Descheduling is, is our pharmaceutical uh, play. Back in the day, people would grow and, and sell that, you know, collectives. That's really what I mean by going back to the beginning. Uh, that's what I remember. Uh, uh, more similar to the sessions that are happening up in Sacramento and L.A., I mean, I'll just say what I'm, what I'm asking it, is, 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 is will the emphasis be more on the medical side? You know, uh, if if we have this um, um, uh, uh, rescheduling instead of descheduling, is that going to bring bring things back into the medical focus for the industry? I know it's going to be a big uh, it's going to be a big loss for um, adult use and um, actual business owners um, on that side of the industry. But um, will that bring uh, uh, medical patients back into light? No, it's going to bring the pharmaceutical companies into big profit. Agreed. Facts. Facts, facts, facts. Now, where do you fulfill your prescription? That's right. Well, no. And I'll also just point out the FDA does not, has not, should not have purview over this plant. They don't even deal with compound drugs. So you have to go to a compound pharmacy for that. Like, it's, it's the wrong... It's. That's for the drug pathway, not for the plant, I would. And while I am not advocating for Schedule 3, I will say I don't think that much would change if they decide to go Schedule 3. If everyone has no trouble being illicit now while it's Schedule 1, why all of a sudden are they going to be like, oh, 
because it, I'm going to tell you why, Gretchen, the, because you're going to have a brand new regulatory agency in place called the FDA, <laughs> and the FDA regulates on everything by the molecule, <laughs> not by the actual <laughs> compound. Yeah. Every single product will be deemed an illicit product under the Food, Drugs, and Cosmetic Act, and zero cannabis companies are going to have the money to get any of their products through the FDA process. Do you want to hear anything I have to say, Jason Beck? Please proceed. All right, thank you. Number two, as we can see, the FDA can't even figure out freaking CBD. Just because HHS shows up and says, all right, we like Schedule 3. Fantastic. You know how long it's going to take these jagoffs to come up with actual regs, actual pathways to make all this work? Everything is going to continue on status quo. I will almost guarantee two more years. There is absolutely no way the FDA is going to get their shit together. Jason's December right. 1, December 3, January. Is wrong. Happening. And Dr. Talleyrand, sh- keep shaking that head. Shake it fervently. I'm right. I, not, I agree no, with no, you. No, I'm not buying it. I, you are right. You know, I think we have to look to the people, right? Look to the people. You know, Rico says, follow the bunny. Follow the people. The people are trading cannabis currently without without going to dispensaries they will continue to do that whether it's schedule three schedule one what have you i think the cat's out of the bag and regulators really have to look at what the population is doing right rather than trying to shift them all with their rules it's not going to work follow the people people don't follow laws laws follow people and to bring it back to the story, I was looking at the uh, person on the photograph. That's my former client, Bonnie Metcalf. And she sacrificed to make cannabis legal in California. She got uh, investigated and potentially prosecuted by the Yuba County District Attorney's Office. She is a hero of the medical cannabis uh, world. And I, it's just sad that she's now like scraping money to get enough medicine so she's not relying on pharmaceuticals. Shout out to Bonnie Metcalf and all the other patients who have sacrificed for years to bring us to this sad state. Facts. And with that, we're going to go to a commercial and we're going to be right back. Let's go. Hyatt 9 News invites you to join us and become a sponsor, supporter, and attendee for the second annual Envision Gala for This Is Jane Project, a nonprofit organization leading the way in advocating for trauma-informed care. This Is Jane Project offers a range of programs designed to shed light, build community, and uplift the lives of women and non-binary trauma survivors who use cannabis as medicine. Support this event that is sure to make an impact today. For more information about sponsorship opportunities, visit www.thisisjaneproject.org. Oh, yeah. Coming up next, she's the president and CEO of Oaksterdam University on top of being the chancellor. And before she became a mother of three, Dale was the blueprint for speaking of cannabis legalization, igniting the international debate in 2010, long before it was cool. And after a crippling federal raid, she worked to save the school where it all started at now. And now with multiple new courses and educating on several government agencies like Connecticut, Oakland and Los Angeles, Oaksterdam. That's right. It is the chancellor herself, Mrs. Dale Scott Jones. 
Hello, hello, hello. It is so good to be back with you again and now on a regular schedule. Uh, in another example of how, here we go again. Uh, this story is brought by Gus Burns at MLive.com out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, whether Michigan violated the rights of marijuana business with a massive 2021 recall is beside the point a federal court ruled this week. Federal law considers cannabis to be contraband for any purpose. U.S. District Judge Paul Maloney wrote in his July 31st order dismissing a lawsuit filled by, uh, sorry, filed by Viridius Laboratories against the Michigan Cannabis Regulatory Agency, or the CRA. Michigan, it appears, has a thriving state-sanctioned contraband market, as the federal judge is pointing out, because all state markets are contraband. So uh, Veritas Laboratories verified the safety of a large portion of the product sold in Michigan. In court filings, they said it held as much as 70% market share on all testing and felt that the CRA was trying to level the playing field. Businesses' public problems began with CRA in November 2021 when the licensing agency issued a recall on nearly $230 million worth of cannabis tested by Veritas. At the time, the CRA claimed the lab's results were faulty, inaccurate, or unreliable, impacting a huge swath of cannabis in the market. Now, you may recall from previous stories that Veritas Laboratories, which operates in Lansing and Bay City, has developed a reputation for issuing marijuana THC potency results that some businesses, uh, competing labs, and the CRA felt were suspiciously high, if not actually impossible. Sometimes these potency results exceeded 40% in a market where anything over 29% is outside the norm. And according to the CRA threshold for auditing results, 80% of cannabis uh, audited was tested by this company. However, I'm just going to point out uh, to our listeners, if they're testing 70% of the market share, this number is relative and therefore potentially realistic. Uh, this report is not commenting on the likelihood of all that Michigan cannabis testing uh, being so much higher than normal, certainly higher than California's finest, although we did train a lot of growers out there back in the day, so perhaps. Uh, Veritas claims the recall violated its rights due to uh, it's right to due process under the U.S. Constitution since the CRA blocked sales of cannabis without an opportunity to challenge the allegations in court, except the federal judge said constitutional protections don't apply to illegal entities. And while the state of Michigan may recognize and protect these interests, federal law does not. And so this is what's been written in the recommendation relied upon in the final dismissal. The license which the state of Michigan issued uh, to Veritas authorizes it to perform testing on a product which the United States has prohibited and characterized as illegal contraband. And so while there may exist a general right to engage in the profession of one's choice, the court cannot simply ignore the fact that Veritas's profession centers on a product in which the United States has outlawed. And so in closing, our Supreme Court has held that the Controlled Substances Act designates marijuana as contraband for any purposes, and the Controlled Substance Act um, states all controlled substances which have been manufactured, distributed, dispensed, or acquired in violation of this subchapter are subject to forfeiture to the United States and no property right shall exist in them. 
So continuing confusion and a widening gap between state and federal laws, banking, tax rules that don't recognize normal business deductions, federal bankruptcy protections that don't exist for legal cannabis businesses. Um, and, you know, with uh, the Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel pointing out on Twitter, or sorry, X Wednesday, that without access to traditional banking, the cannabis industry is left as a ripe target for criminals. I will personally point out that now the same federal restriction also prevents companies from being able to make any constitutional claims against their state's cannabis regulatory agency, creating a dangerous precedent in my mind, leaving licensed businesses ripe targets for unscrupulous regulators, especially in states whose elected officials have expressed that they plan to make revenue based on fines and penalties rather than taxes and fees. And the lawsuit was dismissed. The lab is still litigating various complaints in state administrative courts. Just another burn your bottom moment of just come do what you want because can't. You have no rights. Omar, what are your thoughts on this, Omar? I think it's an example of lazy judicial decision-making. The judge is basically trying to avoid having to make any hard decisions by saying, cannabis is illegal. I don't have to do any work now and let the Michigan courts decide. Uh, of course, the United States Constitution applies to everybody. And um, there's no way that you can just prejudge and just completely dismiss categorically all cannabis-related claims. This is contrary to what other federal courts have done, where they do adjudicate constitutional issues regarding cannabis. Um, and so to me, this is just an example of a judge trying to do as little as possible and not really grapple with the hard issues. And so uh, this judge should be impeached for not upholding their oath of office to uphold the United States Constitution. This is this is really, really, really messed up. I um I interviewed uh Veritas Labs um and their founders and everything. This whole thing, it just reeked to high heavens uh, the, the whole thing that was going down out in Michigan and um the, the way they cleaned house with everybody that was involved with that recall. Um it goes all the way up to the governor's desk. Um this is just it's it's, it's just all messed it's all kinds of all kinds of messed up, man. Um and it really, really uh, makes people think twice about like trusting the legal system when you got judges uh, that are uh, putting forth like statements like that, man. Like, it's tough. It's, 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 a, it's a tough break, but it's very, very, very dirty what's going on uh, in Michigan. Just keep it at that. Mm -hmm. let's, let, let's, let, let's keep it rolling. We got a little bit of time left, Rico. Thank you, Dale. Yeah. Bringing us home today is a multi-talented attorney, founder of a bi-coastal boutique cannabis law firm, but he's also a purple belt in high-style Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so he's known for bringing his roundhouse to the trap house. Y'all know who it is, Omar Figueroa. Thank you, Rico. Happy Friday, everyone. My story is a special from yours truly for Hyatt 9 News. The headline is, California Appellate Court revives lawsuit against Department of Cannabis Control for failing to identify and flag irregularities and questionable transactions. An Orange County Appellate Court on Wednesday 
reinstated a lawsuit against the California Department of Cannabis Control, or DCC, for failing to identify and flag irregularities and questionable transactions for further investigation. A unanimous three-justice panel of the 4th District Court of Appeal issued an opinion stating that Santa Ana Dispensary Licensee HNHPC Inc. should be allowed to seek injunctive relief forcing the Department of Cannabis Control to launch a statutorily required track and trace system that flags potential illegal activity. A lower court had thrown out the lawsuit, sustaining without leave to amend a demur filed by the Department of Cannabis Control and its director, Nicole Elliott. The appellate court reversed the decision of Orange County Superior Court Judge Gregory Lewis and reinstated the lawsuit. California Business and Professions Code Section 26067 requires the DCC to, quote, establish a track and trace program for reporting the movement of cannabis and cannabis products throughout the distribution chain, end quote. To facilitate administration of the track and trace program, the statute also requires the DCC to create an electronic database. The law states, the database shall be designed to flag irregularities for the department to investigate. While the plaintiff acknowledged the DCC created a track and trace system, it alleged the system does not flag irregularities as required by section 26067. Plaintiff accordingly sought mandamus and injunctive relief compelling the DCC and Director Elliott to comply with their duties and mandating that they create and maintain a track and trace system capable of identifying and flagging questionable information for further investigation. According to the opinion, although the DCC created and implemented a track and trace system called Marijuana Enforcement Track and Report and Compliance metric, the system allegedly did not flag for irregularities. As a result, the dispensary plaintiff alleged there is an exponential rise of burner distributors that conceal and launder state-grown cannabis for delivery to illegal dispensaries and other unregulated markets within the state, as well as for the illegal transport across state lines, all without paying significant legally mandated taxes that other law-abiding cannabis licensees, such as plaintiff, are required to pay to the state. The increased use of burner distributors, known as burner distros, allegedly harmed the public and licensed cannabis operators because the burner distros undercut legitimate distributors and dispensaries by selling cheaper, unregulated, and untaxed cannabis products. In short, the dispensary plaintiff alleged the DCC bolstered the illegal black market in California and greatly encouraged the illegal export of cannabis across state lines by refusing to perform its ministerial duty to flag irregularities within the track and trace system. The plaintiff further alleged the current track and trace system could be designed or modified to flag irregularities and to easily identify burner distros but it would require the state to amend its agreement with the developer of metric to authorize the work necessary to do so. The DCC allegedly refused to modify the track and trace system to comply with the law and the department's mandatory duties. In opposition to the lawsuit, the DCC submitted two contracts. First, a 2017 contract between the California Department of Food and Agriculture and Franwell Inc. And second, 
a 2021 contract between the California Department of Food and Agriculture and Metric Inc. The two contracts were agreements with a contractor to assign the California Cannabis Track and Trace System. The appellate court, however, held that the documents do not conclusively show the department created an electronic database that flags irregularities for further investigation. The Court of Appeal concluded that the DCC did not have discretion to disregard the express flagging mandate and the DCC did not have a duty to enter into a contract but to actually establish an electronic database that actually flags irregularities. The headline is California Appellate Court Revised Lawsuit Against Department of Cannabis Control. My take, well, I did some more research and Elliot Lewis, the Catalyst CEO, explained the lawsuit on Instagram and said in summary, case is back on. We just beat the state on appeal. That's almost impossible. What this does is it gives us discovery rights to the state and now we got a two-headed monster going in. And don't think I ain't asking for the glass house shit first because that's how we roll. Mr. Elliott suggests a policy change and asks the DCC to come to the table in order to accomplish three things. Suspend the excise tax permanently, suspend the sales and use tax for two years, and impose a 4% max on gross receipts at the local level. While I think these policy proposals are reasonable, the DCC does not have the authority to do any of these three things. It's up to the legislature, so the lawsuit will go forward. Hopefully, in the end, the DCC will comply with its statutory duty to establish an electronic database that actually flags irregularities for further investigation. As for me, I'm going to be breaking out my whirly pop and making some GMO-free organic popcorn with can of butter. This is Omar Figueroa, lawyer, publisher, and ganjie instructor, reporting from Sonoma County, California, the traditional territory of the Pomo, Miwok, and Wapo nations for High at Nine, High Noon Eastern. What oh, does everybody think? Man, this is such a can of worms, bro. This is going to be like popcorn for days right here with this whole case. If you're getting to go to and get discovery from metric and from the state and all of this. And um, I think metric might catch a case. Could metric catch a case, Omar, from this? Because them being the ledger of documenting federal sales um, all across the country. Catch a federal case? Um, well, they, they have caught a, a civil case and now they might be forced to comply with an injunction that requires them to actually do their job and start flagging irregularities and go after Bernard Distros. And the allegations by Elliot Lewis are quite explosive. He says he's going to be going after Glasshouse. And so there's a current uh, lawsuit against Glasshouse and Glasshouse is suing back. And um, I think there's going to be a lot to watch in the near future. Well, the thing is, though, Omar, is they can't really go after burner distributions as far as the state, because then then they're just going to have all these businesses that are closing down because they, there's not enough uh, outlets for them to be able to sell their sell their weed at. And that's just not a reality that the, and because the state wants to be able to make sure that they have like a, a good looking program and whatnot and wants to collect all this tax revenue from all these places. But they're 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 a co-conspirator in all of this. Yes, I, I don't really think the feds are going to go after the state, but I think that the state courts are now holding the Department of Cannabis Control to task and they're going to have to do their job and not look the other way.
Um, um, uh, 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 Omar, could we be looking at, I mean, I know you can't, there's no monopoly law when it comes to uh, a federally illegal industry or anything, but um, could we be looking at some kind of monopoly uh, legislation being put in place uh, to get uh, a metric, some competition here? They're going. To uh, yes, I think metric is not entitled to automatic renewal of its contract. And I think there should be open bidding. Um, there is, there is though, there is open bidding. Now, how how likely they're going to bid a different company there's there's a lot of different things in there that that's going on but it it is an open process it is a con, a, com a competitive process nobody yeah. likes metric you know i think uh, meadow would be a, a far better platform than metric mm -hmm. and they're california based they understand the california right. system better and they would actually do their job and maybe your company uh rico would be even better than metric anything would be better than metric is what i hear from any operators big shout out to hua out there man that's my guy that's right except yeah. for the folks working yeah. under any other system who will say that their system is the absolute worst so well i mean you, you only have 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 metric and biotrack pretty much across the country well i wasn't going to say their name out loud but you did so there you are yes yeah <laughs> and, and, yeah but I mean, complaints abound. Listen, a lot of these were were first, and I think the what you're looking at is convincing the state to undertake the extraordinary expense of sw switching horses and then also admitting that they were wrong. Oh man, it's not, not not to mention. I mean, but what what's going to happen? Okay, if they go after all after all these burner distros, okay, and and then all of a sudden all these all these cannabis cultivators have nowhere to sell their product because they have no brand presence. They're just they're just cultivators that are wholesaling to two other brands, um, and yet and yet you have six hundred stores that are open in the state of California. I mean, there's nowhere for these for these people to really actually make any money to be able to support their business going forward. And then you're just going to have all these cultivation facilities that get closed down because they can't pay their bills. And then, 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 then the state is going to be in the situation where they look like the whole system just collapsed underneath them. There's really no reason to have distress in the first place. They're useless middlemen. The initial justification for them was that they were going to be surrogate tax collectors for the state. They're no longer collecting taxes. That burden has been shifted to the retailers. Get rid of the distros. They're useless. Or allow them, but don't require them. It can be a may instead of a shall, right? That like some people want it, but you shouldn't have to use one. I completely agree with you. It should be farm to table like any other crop in California. I totally agree with that. I'm, I'm not mad at markets. that. I don't know about farmers markets, but definitely uh, I do believe in the farmers farm market. Jason. <laughs> I mean, regulate like tomatoes, eh, Rico? Tomatoes. That'll be our, our next. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 do, I do believe cannabis should be treated like any other crop, any other type of agricultural commodity. And there's way far too many restrictions on cannabis that are way overburdensome on operators, regulators, and taxpayers. Regulate uh, cannabis like wine, right to farm. Re regulate cannabis like Warren G and Nate Dog, man. That's how I, that's how I say it. We got to do it. But I uh, thank you all for joining us for another episode of High at Nine News. You can catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high at noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments live on the big screen and the live audience and online supporters catching us all across all media platforms, tuning in for the conversations daily from the High at Nine News team. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. Our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, all our sponsors, keeping the lights on and the AV struggles to a minimum. And of course, 
the lovely Jaja Simone over there holding things down on all the other platforms too. Um, it's always Cannabis Sativa L, the reason that we show up to read these stories every day. It's Friday, June. Uh, it's not June. I don't know. It's still Juneteenth. August. It's Jason August, back. bro. It's, it's August. still Juneteenth. It's Juneteenth. Extended. Nah, it's August 4th, 2023. And uh, the show's over. You've been uh, blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope it's enough to, for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. Dale Sky Jones, you're the only one that I see on my screen. Give us an outro today. <laughs> Say goodbye to these people. You are my head of hope, and I hope you all have a beautiful Friday and an even better weekend. Don't just get high at nine. See you on Monday. Stay that way all weekend. And happy birthday, Dr. Tallyrand. We love you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Dr. Tallyrand. Thank you. Happy See you on birthday. the flip side, friends. <laughs>